0: Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. When you follow Jesus, there's something that absolutely calls for complete abandonment of what you know. The very best about God is that he loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. I want to bring a message entitled this morning, Make Them Wonder. Make Them Wonder. Demonstrating our faith is sometimes very difficult for some of us. How many have ever been in a situation where you knew, watch this, that you needed to talk to somebody specifically about the love of God, and you were like, I don't even know where to start. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. I don't even know where to begin. I think we've all been there at some point, right? Where we wanted to talk to Pete, we, we wanted to talk to somebody and we, man, they really need Jesus, but I don't know what to say. That happens and has happened to most everyone in this room, I believe. Let me ask another question to you. Have you ever dreamed a dream? That made tons of sense to you when you woke up. But then when you try to tell somebody, you look like an absolute loony. (laughs) You ever try to tell a story, man, and then all of a sudden it was you, but it wasn't. And we were home in my kitchen, but it wasn't. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then you, and the person looking at you is like, yeah. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. What? Because you were what? There. You were there. You understood that moment. You were in the car next to that person that was the person, but not that person. You were in the house with that person that was the person, but it wasn't that person. It makes total sense to you. But when you try to tell someone else, you're like, this is going to sound really weird. And you're like, and the other person's like, too late. You were weird about 12 minutes ago when you started this whole thing. Why? Because they weren't, say with me, they weren't there. So we all have been there in that moment where we felt like, I'm trying to tell you something that, that affected me, but you weren't there to see it, but you're passionate about it. You understand it because you were there. And some, sometimes to take action in our faith is the same way. We, we try to say, I want to tell you about Jesus, but, but it's hard for me to tell you that because you weren't there. I want to tell you something. We are really good at talking ourselves out of walking in obedience in those moments, don't we? We're really good in those moments where God says, tell them about me. And you're like, well, I'm not as good as blank in doing this. I'm not as good as blank in doing that. I'll just bring them to church and let Pastor Tony or the leadership team do that part. I'll just bring them to church. That's the hard part, right? They, got, they, they do what they do. It's, you know, whatever. They, they, that's what they're paid to do. Me, I'm just, I'm just a saint. Here, here's the truth. Are you ready? We're not called to tell the world about Jesus. We're called, as pastors, we're called to equip you so you can tell the world. Are you hearing me? That doesn't make sense to some traditional believers right? Bring them to church. Let the pastor tell them about Jesus. Bring them to church because the pastor's better at this or the youth pastor's better at this and, oh, we got a great band and maybe that person, because they really like music, maybe then they'll start coming to our church because we have a great worship team and they say, you're missing it. They're not going to wonder that way. The world's not going to wonder. What am I talking about when I say make them wonder? You be mobilized as the church. To do exactly what God called you to do. My job and the job of this leadership team is to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's our job. To get you ready so that you can tell the world who Jesus is. So you can follow with me now. Say with me. Make them wonder. What is it about this person? What is it about Monty? that makes him smile so much? Like that. What is it about Jason that makes him laugh and that makes it contagious? I just want to laugh when he laughs. What is it about you that loves people right where they're at, even when they don't deserve it? Some of you have gifts that you haven't even unpacked yet. And if I gave my kid a gift and he hadn't opened it for a year and a half, there comes a point where I would be frustrated and almost offended. How many be honest with you? Right? I'm being honest with you, be honest with me. How many of you have you gave someone you cared about deeply a gift? You wrapped it, you got a bow on it, you gave it to them, and they were like, I'll get to it when I get to it, and they put it on the shelf. And six months later, they still haven't opened it. (laughs) You'd probably be like, give me it back. You don't even care about it anymore. Give me it back. You don't realize what I paid for that. I care so much about you. I'll give you this gift, and you put it on the shelf. Look at me. Look at me. Everyone, I need you to hear me. How offended should God be when he gives us gifts and we don't even open them. Because here, watch this. This is where the world doesn't revolve you around you anymore. Are you ready? Some of you are not ready for this, but take it with take it. You ready? Some of those gifts are not for you. They're for you to give away. Right? There are gifts of the spirit that God has given the body that's not for you, even though you have the gift. For instance, prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not for you. If you get a prophetic word to keep it to yourself, makes no sense. It breaks the whole idea of the prophecy. God gave you a word for somebody. That's not for you. That's through you. There's a difference that God wants to give you something and give something through you. How offended should God be at the body of Christ of people that have gifts that never use them? See, the gifts that He gives you makes them wonder. Say it with me. The gifts that God people, the gifts that, that, that God gives to people makes them wonder. So, what am I saying here this morning? I'm saying to you. That when we start to reason out, we can talk ourselves out of obedience. And thus, people will never wonder who this God is that we're talking about, who this God is that we serve. We get in trouble because we're only willing to do what makes sense. Listen, believer, look at me. If you only do what makes sense, you'll be doing very little for God, that's for sure. You with me? Because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. What do you mean I'm supposed to tell this person this? I think they got it all together. You have no idea. So here's what I'm trying to tell you as we talk about make them wonder. You can walk by reason or you can walk by revelation. Follow with me. You can walk by reason Or you can walk by revelation. Let me do what makes sense. That's reason. Or you can walk by God's revelation. How many would rather walk by revelation than reason? Some of you are still not sure about that. I want to reason everything out. Listen, if you try to make everything logical, you're going to get lost and you're going to fall behind. Things that God calls people to do are not always logical. You with me? You can walk by faith or you can walk by sight. You can focus on what God can do or you can focus on what you cannot do. But friend, let me make this crystal clear. You cannot do both. You cannot walk by reason and revelation. You cannot walk by faith and by sight. You cannot look at what God can do and what you cannot do and still be sane. You have to choose today that I'm not going to look and depend on my flesh to to logic and reason everything out. Does that mean that we have no logic? No. Because I know some of the greatest minds, and I've heard of some of the greatest minds. I've been in Christian long enough to be around the faith, and I heard from men and women of God that some of the most intelligent people i've ever met and they can make some logic up they can figure some things and they will share some things that makes perfect sense for believers but 100 percent no we will never know everything but here's what i do know i cannot walk by faith and by sight they trip on each other they don't coexist So I I want you to turn with me to to Scripture. I'm going to read a good chunk of Scripture at Joshua chapter 6. We will not have it on the screen, so you're going to reach it into your Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. First five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You will find Joshua thereafter. Joshua chapter 6. Old Testament, stuff is happening And Joshua chapter 6 that I want to share with you. Let me give you a minute to find it. Joshua chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to go all the way to verse 21 and then skip to verse 27. Do one verse in 27. If you you have not brought your Bible this morning, you were relying on the screen, you got caught out there, bring your Bible. Joshua chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once for a day, or once a day, for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. They must be Pentecostal. Then the walls of the town will collapse, And the people can charge straight into the town. Verse 6. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark, watch this, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests and the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continuing to blow horns. Here's what Joshua commanded. You ready? He says this. Verse 10, Do not shout, do not even talk. Not a single word... From any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city once that day. Then everyone returned and spent the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests again carried the ark of the Lord. Seven priests with the ram's horn marched and so on and so forth. On the second day, verse 14, they again marched around the town and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern. Watch this. Six days. On the seventh day, verse 15, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, and all the priests sounded, the long blast in their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. And some virgins say, shout, because the Lord has given you the city. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she was protected our spies. Verse 18, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble in the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. And the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Verse 21, they completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, children, old, young, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Verse 27, here it is. So the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. This is a long text and a story that I have read so many times. Raise your hand if you've read the story before. You're familiar with the story, right? Some of you have read the story multiple times. I want to offer to you some thoughts that may, you may or may not have seen. But here it is. Remember the last time the children of Israel were at this place? Remember this, the last time they spoke words of doubt that planned to rebel against God? Remember those times that the people of Israel said, we'd rather go back? We'd rather go back to Egypt. Remember those times when the people of God decided to make a calf. Remember that time? But I'm also wanted to remind you of something. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness while an entire generation died off. Can I tell you something? Don't let your dreams die on the altar of doubt. Don't let your dreams die. On the altar of doubt God called Joshua and his people to do something that look at me you had to be there to understand can you imagine if you're part of Joshua's army and he's like here's the deal grab all your weapons and we're not gonna use them in fact the only weapon we're gonna use is defeat. we're gonna walk we're gonna walk and we're gonna walk I'm gonna walk some more that doesn't sound appealing to me already right? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk around once and then go back to our camp, then come back the next day and do that. We're going to blow horns in the process because that's intimidating. (laughs) And then we're going to go back and we're going to do this for the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, oh yeah, and the sixth day. But on the seventh day, we're going to go and something's going to happen. Are you ready? Something's going to happen. You're going to wear out more of the soles on your feet. Because we're going to walk around seven times on the seventh day. And when we're done, guess what? We're going to fight, right, Josh? No! We're going to scream. We're going to what? We're going to scream? That doesn't make no sense. You know what, Joshua, I can see here and say in the back of his head? You had to be there. When I was told this, you had to be there because God was pretty serious about this. Like your dream, right? You had to be there. Because everybody's wondering, just like your dream, what the world was going on in your dream. And in the same manner, they're looking at Joshua, what the world is wrong with Joshua. Right? What do you mean we're going to walk around and then we're going to shout? Do it. Obedience. Look at me. It made no sense in the logic. It made no sense in the natural. But when God says it, that's all I need to know. Are you with me? The only way you can make the world wonder is to be obedient in your walk with Christ. Because watch this. You in the natural cannot make the world wonder. They figured you out. They figured you out because in, our, in and of ourselves, in the natural, we're just like everybody else. Sinners in need of a savior. But the moment we came to Christ, there's something different, look at me now. There's something different in you already. That something different in you has trouble coming out outside of obedience. That wonderful, God-given destiny, that purpose that you were born with, that, that calling on your life has trouble coming out if it's not in obedience. God has a recipe to cause this thing to come out. I remember when I was in biology and I was in all these different, like chemistry specifically, and all these different science classes. I loved chemistry when I was in high school because we got to blow stuff. I'm, I'm sorry. We had to do some things that caused things to explode or overflow. Or if you put this thing and that thing, and I see, I don't know all the details. I just don't, I just remember that if you put those together, stuff's gonna happen. I like that part, it's my favorite. Everybody step back, because when we put this... In, how many ever did a, a, an experiment in, in chemistry like that? When you put a little bit of this, all, all this stuff happens, right? And so you do all this, and that was what you look forward to. You know what? There are times in our lives that we have to realize that it's a matter of putting obedience at the right time. A, a dose of obedience at the right time will cause things to overflow in our lives and cause things to happen that, we would have, that would have never happened by themselves. See, what happens is we have this, oh, this wonderful blessing of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our life. And what happens is we never tap into the other thing. And that other thing that will cause overflow is obedience. But obedience is tough to come by. Raise your hand if obedience is tough to come by sometimes. God asks you to do something, it doesn't make sense, or you don't want to, or it makes you uncomfortable. Truth is that a lot of people's deep dreams have died on the altar of doubt. See, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. We don't live just for an audience of one. We live in front of an audience that one. We live in front of an audience that that one. I'm preaching right now to an audience that has one. If Jesus is your Lord, you're an audience that won. Don't wait for people to like what you're doing or understand what you're doing. Make them wonder by your obedience. And when you succeed in Christ, realize there is one you point to. And that one is not you. That one is Jesus Christ. Who's with me? So if you want the world to wonder, I have a few thoughts I want to share with you. If you're taking notes, now's a good time. Here it is. I'm going to give you three quick things. Number one, defuse your doubt. Because guess what? You are in in control of whether you obey your doubt. No, you're not in control where whether doubt will come. That's the bad news. Doubt will come upon you. Doubt will show its face. It will stare at you like, "See, he's not faithful." Did he really say, "Don't touch the fruit"? See, you said that if you you said that if you would be more diligent in church, God would be faithful. Is he faithful? Those things will always, look at me now, always come upon you. Those things will always show its face at you. But guess what? You can diffuse it by choosing to dismiss it. Diffuse or dismiss your doubt. Dismiss it as, you know what? I can doubt, but I choose, watch this, not to. Because you have the choice whether you can diffuse this doubt or allow it to abuse you. Because doubt is abusive. Doubt will shout at you. Doubt will try to scare you. Doubt will try to move you to a realm of, of, of not doing what God called you to do because you know what? They might think you're a little bit loony. They already know you go to church. Now don't make it look weird. They already know that you... You serve God. That's a little strange, that that obedience thing. Can I tell you something? Diffuse it. I am who I am because God has called me to be this person. Words are extremely powerful. How many know that's true? And they can build up or tear down. We often raise problems without solutions, and then we put negative labels on them. We raise these problems. Instead of giving it to God, we raise these problems, and we go, oh, oh, well. God really can't handle this because that's not really that important. You know God cares about the littlest things in your life? The littlest things in your life he cares about. The biggest things in your life he cares about. It doesn't matter the size. God cares about both those things. But you know what we do? Oh, that's not that important, so I'm not going to bring that to God. And what happens? That little thing gets bigger and bigger, and before you know it, it's overwhelmed. So one of the things I learned about life is... uh, Weeding is inevitable, right? You do any sort of landscaping in your, on your property, weeding is inevitable. You're going to have to do it, like it or not. And the best thing to do is do it while it's while small. Get it out of the way because it's only going to get bigger. It's only going to mess with everything else that you have in that flower bed. Pull those weeds out. Diffuse your doubt early and let the Lord work on that. We tend to limit our capacity to handle things as well as Our capability to accomplish things because of that doubt that is in our life. We imagine the worst, we find excuses, we place blame on other people, and we label them as this is not God, so all right. Can I tell you something? Diffuse, say it with me, diffuse your doubt. Number two, walk in faithful obedience when the plan makes no sense. Look at Look at Joshua in this story. Honestly, that is not a battle plan that you would find. Walk around the building. Walk around the city, the walls. Just walk around it. No, don't shoot anything. Don't pull out your sword. Just walk around. Oh, by the way, just one time on the first day. Then go home. Then come back the second day and walk around some more. It makes no sense, but Joshua said, I know, I don't know the plan, but I know the one who gave it to me. And sometimes you have to remind yourself, it's not the plan I have trust in, it's the God who gave it to me. The one who put the plan in place, not the plan. It's not the plan that I have faith in, it's the God who gave me the plan, the God who gave me purpose. The God who gave me that destiny. While something may not make make sense now, remember that our God is a God of miracles. God can still make miraculous things happen, like on that seventh day. When you're in a hard situation, friend, hear me now. Sometimes you just have to make yourself believe. These miracles show up in a dream. You ever, you, ever, you ever had one of those moments where you wanted to do something and then you almost talked yourself out of it but then you follow through and you look back and you say, I'm so glad I stuck with it. Raise your hand if you're ever in that situation. I'm so glad I stuck with it. Why? Because you're looking back and the hindsight is always 2020. It's no different in the kingdom. Hindsight is always 2020. And so what I'm here to tell you with is this. God makes miracles happen, and they don't always, they're not always going to look big in the beginning. Miracles are often small steps of obedience. Small steps of confidence in the God, not the plan, the God of the plan. Sometimes they look small, and he's bringing you through small miracles so you can believe enough for that big one coming up. He's making small deposits. He's making small deposits in your life over and over and over again. He's making these deposits. Walk in faithful obedience when the plan makes what? No sense. Here's a third thought. Are you ready? Elevate your language of praise. Did you hear this? This is important. Notice that when they went forth praising, notice when they went forth in obedience, the presence followed them. Okay, let me go back to the story. When they were walking in obedience, the Ark of the Covenant was following where? Right behind them. Let me tell you something. When you walk in obedience, the presence of God will follow you everywhere you go because you're walking in obedience. That's not easy, is it? Raise your hand if obedience is easy. Nobody. Because obedience isn't easy. But raise your hand if obedience to God is worth it. Most of us would agree with that, right? We would agree and we would say, you know what? You know what the answer to that is? Elevate your praise because some of you talk yourself out of blessings because you're elevating your doubt. You're elevating your doubt above the praise. Watch this. The trumpets that were blown at the end of the seventh time around, they were the same trumpets they used in worship. The shout, the mouth that they used to worship God was the same mouth they used to shout God. And it was that very thing, that shout, I believe with all my heart, that that shout of obedience, it wasn't just a shout. It was a shout of obedience that caused those walls. Now listen, this is not like a little quarter-inch drywall. The city was not secure with drywall. But we have a stud every six inches. It doesn't matter where you have studs, it's drywall. This city was not protected by drywall. It was large honking rocks, boulders, and all kinds of fortified city. This was a fortified city. And you know what took them down? Do you know what took them down? praise took it down you said Tony why are you shouting because I can (laughs) and really because I need to because you don't realize how important your praise is I'm going to be transparent for a moment standing here and looking out to the crowd during worship sometimes you would think you have lost this battle. Some of you don't believe the praise that comes out your mouth. Pastor Tony, way to get negative. No, 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 I'm not getting negative. I'm just bringing the reality that some of you guys don't realize how important what comes out your mouth is. I'm reminding you. That the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that called Joshua to shout, the God that called them to do that task is the same God that called you today, that called you years ago, that called you when you were a little, little girl or a little, little boy. That same God is the one that's telling you, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Shout! Because you have a reason to shout. Shout because when you elevate your praise, you make it bigger than your problem. Something stirs. I wish somebody got what I was talking about right now. I wish you understood the victory that is in Christ. Somebody give God praise right now. Come on, like you mean it. Come on, like you mean it. Oh, oh but Pastor Tony, there's times... I, I'm, I'm praising and I'm the only one clapping I'm okay with that I don't care I'm not clapping for you I'm clapping for me I'm clapping because I realize that that verse right there that they just said means something to me I'm a clap that's good stuff right there preach preacher there's times I'm listening to things that people say that it's not even meant to be for, for, for uh, I didn't think it was meant for me but they say it I'm like oh that's good stuff right there that's why? Because I have to realize that I am in charge of what, elevate, what is elevated in my life. What is, look at me. You're in charge of what's elevated in your life. When you start to realize that when you elevate your language of praise, you learn to walk in victory. When you elevate your level of praise, you learn to praise God in ways that you never would have. Now let me ask you this question. Is there anything about your life that will make the world wonder about your God? The whole idea this morning was simply this. Make them wonder. Make them wonder about your God, not whether you're saved or not. They should know who you are. Because you've recognized whose you are. And you will never know who you are until you recognize whose you are. And when you know whose you are, praise comes out of you. Like it, love it, or leave it. Listen, I don't care what you like, what you like, what you like, and what you like. I know God deserves my praise right here, right now. So i ask you this question. Are they wondering who your God is? Because guess what? If I was just... Now listen... Transport yourself mentally right now to that space and time where Joshua was, just for a moment. If you were just watching it unfold, you would just, just off to the side. You ever been like, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that discussion? You ever felt like that? What if you were a fly on the wall in this scenario, just for a moment, and you watch, there's Joshua and his people, there's the big city. And they walked and they walked and they walked. And when they shouted, that came down. Would you say, there's no way? Or if you saw it with your own eyes, you would go, who is he serving? Who is Joshua's God? Right? Right? You would say, who is that man's God that he would shout and the walls would come down. I want to know who he knows. It's all about who you know, right? In this case, it is. That's exactly what made this moment special. So as you bow your heads across this room, all across this room, I want to pray a prayer for everyone at the sound of my voice right now. Because everyone at the sound of my voice will need at some point to take a big, bold, silent step toward obedience. Notice they had to remain quiet until it was time. Why? Because we never want to give away God's plan for our life. And the focus had to be set. I believe that there may be more than one reason why God told Joshua to tell the people to be quiet. Just march. Because everyone will have an opinion. And sometimes you have to silence your own opinion so that you could hear God's. How many know that's true? So God, right now for every person at the sound of my voice, I'm praying, oh God, That they would be a people that would just be, sometimes just be quiet, sometimes just be relevant, sometimes just be present. We don't have to say much when we're in obedience. But God, when you say it's time to shout, when you tell us it's time to speak up, may we walk in that obedience. I pray in the name that is above every name that everyone in this room and everyone listening would live in such a way that would make them wonder. In Jesus' name I pray. May our lives be set as an offering, oh God, to make them wonder. Lord, I pray Allow us to see your plan unfold in our lives in Christ's name.